Um, good morning, Hope Church. How's everybody today? Yeah? I'm not David, just to make sure we're aware of that. Um, so yeah, our senior pastor, if, if you're new here, welcome. Our senior pastor and his wife are on uh, their rightfully deserved vacation, celebrating like a million years of marriage and stuff like that. So amen. <laughs> like, that's good. So yay for them. All right. So you get me, but that's okay. Yeah? Yeah. All right. I do wake up uh, on mornings, I'm going to speak, and I'm like, everyone in that church loves you. Everyone in that church loves you. Everyone in that church loves you. <laughs> I don't care if it is. I just need to say it over myself. Um, but thank you. That's kind. Hey, uh, just a side quick announcement I want to let you know about next week. Next week, we are going to have a photographer here taking pictures to update our website. So now you know that. Dress pretty or whatever you want to wear. But um, in case y'all are, are wondering why we have photographers and stuff, and like, don't be weird. If they, if they take a picture of you, just keep talking. You know, those fun over-the-shoulder shots, you know. Or you could just be awesome in the last minute be like, Tee! you know, and that'd be funny and annoying. But, um, but yeah, they will be here taking photos. Um, if you have any concerns as far as release on the website and stuff like that, we get release uh, forms, so that kind of thing, especially with minors, if they're in the pictures and things like that. Um, just let that know that we will address that. Nothing's going to go public um, before that. Okay? Make sense what I'm saying? Cool. All right, so we did... Just complete our uh, Second Timothy study. That was good, right? It was amazing. If you didn't get a chance to uh, see um, a certain week of that, or if you want to go back, still all available on the website. The Unshakable series is also a part of that, where the additional reading. Uh, just to show, no, I'm not going to, I don't know, show of hands. Anybody do any of the little, like, side readings along the way and stuff like that? Good job. I love Lisa. Um, and Ken, awesome. Um, but it, what was really cool is if you do want to go back and do any of those readings, um, it really is just a lot of reading the book of Acts and learning the story of Paul and what he's going through um, at the same time that he's writing this letter to Timothy. Um, but as he was writing this letter, um, excuse me, as Pastor David was preaching this letter, um, there was kind of these phrases that kept appearing that I took notice of. And I was like, hey, there it is again. And hey, there's that idea again. And there's that idea again. So I want to read over a couple of them um, here that I noticed. So um, like kind of right off the bat, 2 Timothy 1.5. This is not me re-preaching re -preaching 2 Timothy. Let's just say that real quick. This isn't like, now Jessica's take. You know, that's not, that's not what's happening here. Um, 2 Timothy 1.5. So he says, Paul writes to Timothy, I recall your sincere faith that first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and now it, I'm convinced is in you also. 2 Timothy 1.13-14. Hold on to the pattern of sound teaching that you heard from me in the faith and the love that are in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit through the Holy Spirit who lives in you. 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. What you heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, commit to faithful men who will be able to teach it to others. 3.10. But you have followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith. 3.14. Continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. 4.2. Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. This thing I kept seeing coming up over and over is Paul keeps bringing up that thing I've taught you, that faith you have, that deposit that's been put in you, that, that give that to other people. The whole time I'm sitting there going, what teaching, Paul? <laughs> like, what, what did you say? Like, because if you only had this letter, it's, it's as if Paul is assuming we know exactly what he's talking about. 
right? What faith is it that, what is it that you have faith in? What teaching have you begun? What's the good deposit? And I sat there and I went, are we all on the same page? Do what I assume Paul's talking about here and you assume Paul's talking about here. It's, are we on, are we on the same page? And so I want to take the opportunity, one, because I have the mic, um, and, and two, because it's passion of mine. I want to get us all on the same page. I want to make sure that this good deposit and this faith that Timothy had, we all understand exactly what that is. I've been thinking um, more lately about world religions. Okay, there's like some things going on, and it's got me thinking about uh, differences in world religions. There's basically five major world religions. There's a lot of, of, of religions, but there's five major world religions. Uh, Christianity, uh, Judaism, Islam, uh, Buddhism, and Hinduism. Those are kind of considered the big five. Um, and then a lot um, outside of that, nuances and variations even within those um, as well. But Christianity, Judaism, Islam, um, Hindu, and Buddhist. And what's interesting is Christianity, Islam, and Judaism by far make up um, the largest together percentage of, of believers. Do you know that there's actually uh, 2.3 billion Christians, people who claim, claim to be Christians in the world? 2.3 billion. Now, before we all just like, I'm going to call you out on it right now. Who's in judgment right now going, Christians? Okay. <laughs> Some people might be saying that about your life. Let's just, before you just say, well, they say they're a Christian. Okay, before we say, 2.3 billion, which actually, I want that to be true. I don't want to sit here and be like, eh, I don't know. God, let that be true. 2.3 billion Christians. And so I've been thinking, like, what sets Christianity apart? What makes us different? In fact, Judaism, Islam, and Christianity are, con are considered what's called Abrahamic religions. They come out of this one character that appears in the Bible named Abraham, and then variations and splits come off of that. And, um, you know, Christianity comes out of Judaism, and we believe that Jesus is the Messiah that the Jewish faith claims comes. Thus, we get the name Christ, Christian, Christ-like people. What makes us all different? What sets us apart? I think there's one word specifically. There's one word that sets our faith apart from every other faith and religion in the world. And I think it's the exact thing that Paul is talking about here to Timothy. And that is the word gospel. It's the gospel. That's it. <laughs> it is. It's the gospel. In Greek, that word is the eulogalion. It literally translates to good news. What's the gospel? It's good news. So like to my fellow Christians who are in the room and to those of you who have not made that decision yet, do you know what the gospel is? Because we say it a lot. The gospel, the gospel, gospel, the gospel, gospel, you know. Do you know what it is? I like to pose the question. If you have that coworker that you have a pretty good relationship with and they come to you and they're like, hey, I know you do this whole Jesus thing. You're a Christian. You're a Christian, right? Yeah. And you're like, yeah. Hey, I hear this word a lot. And I have no idea what it means. What's the gospel? What would you say to them? Because Paul tells us that we should be ready in season and out of season to preach, to teach, to declare the hope that is within us. 
And if you do not feel equipped to answer that question, what is the gospel? I am sorry (laughs) that the church has not equipped you. And I am glad you are here this morning because my goal is that every person that walks out of here, whether you believe in it or not, knows what the good news of Jesus Christ is. All right. I am. I used to have the opportunity to get these um, uh, random texts from this girl that was uh, new to Jesus. She um, had kind of recently graduated high school. She had put her faith in Jesus and she'd pop up with just these, I mean, out of the blue questions, incredibly great questions about God and faith, Christianity and Jesus. And one day I'm sitting on my couch and I get this question from her and she says, is Christianity a religion? Now, first off, this is coming in text. So I'm already annoyed because I'm like, ah, text is the worst form of communication, right? Like nobody reads text the way that I write text. And I fat thumb it too. And so I very much just say wrong sentences all the time in certain text messages. But I was was sitting here going, okay, um, yes, technically Christianity is a religion, right? Let's quickly define religion. Religion defined as a belief in and worship of a superhuman controlling power, especially a personal God or God's. Okay, that is the worldly Webster. So is Christianity a religion? Yes, yes. Don't make it weird, Christians. And yes, it's a religion. When people are asking, yes. And yet I looked at this text message and I went, but has she heard something? Has she heard this popular phrase that Christians like to throw around that has now in her baby belief heart confused the crap out of her? Like, has she heard, y'all, y'all know what, I'm, anybody know what, what she may have heard? It's not, Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship. This poor little girl, like, she was like, wait, what? Like, you know, like, completely confused. And so in text message, I'm sitting here trying to, like, not steer her wrong and, be, and just, but I didn't just want to go, yeah, it's a religion, have a good day. But on the other end, I didn't want to go, no, it's not a religion. And now you look weird to the outside world when you're like, oh, Christianity is not a religion. Like, wait a second. Yes, it is. But totally miss the aspect of what she's asking here. And I honestly don't even remember how I responded to her. But it is true. It is true that this idea that Christianity isn't a religion, it is a relationship. Yes. And yet, by the world's definitions, it is a religion. So what sets us apart? What makes us different, that being the gospel. Paul writes in Romans, uh, first chapter of Romans. Can I hear it for the Tuesday night home group that read all three Romans in a year? Yeah, it only took us a year, you guys. I don't know if that's good advertising for people to join the home group. They're like, (laughs) okay, thank you. Yay, housemate. Uh, Romans 1, 16, 17. Paul writes, did I not put that in there? Oh, that's really important. If you can find it, that'd be great, but I'll read it for everybody. Romans 1, 16 through 17 says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first the Jew and also to the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, just as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. All right, one more back, 16. Yeah, for I am not ashamed of this good news, the gospel. Maybe the NLT, but I'm good with it too. Because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. 
So we're going to break down this scripture as our definition of the gospel. We're going to do it in four points. All right. You ready? You good? I really can't see you. It makes me so sad. Thank you. Point number one, the gospel brings salvation. I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God to bring salvation. So the first question you have to understand and knowing what the gospel is, salvation from what? Okay. And I think there's two things that the gospel saves us from. The first one, what do y'all think the gospel, you can answer to me. We can do this this style. I like it better. What, what is, where are we saved from? I see a hand. Is that my boy? Go, DJ. Oh, it is. It's ourselves. We are absolutely saved from ourselves. What else? Hell. Hell. I heard it. Yeah, hell. Those are basically the two answers. Exactly right. Good job. Ten points like to each of you. You can cash them in with Pastor David later, those points. Hell. Here's this question that comes from the world. If a God is so loving, if God is so loving, why does he send people to hell? That question completely questions the character and nature of God's love and completely ignores his justice, his righteousness, his holiness, his purity. And it says that those things are mutually exclusive. He can't be loving and also those things because my my definition of loving This isn't love to send people to hell. So let's break down that question real quick in case you run into that. God does not send people to hell. God created hell to punish sin. Sin breaks people, destroys people. Here's the thing. God is so pure, so holy, so loving, so justice, so good, so grand that he can have no part from the opposite of that. He can have no part with sin. He can have no part with evil and darkness. I don't want a God that kind of hangs out with evil. Do you? I don't want a God that hangs out even with white lies. That's not a holy God. That's not a completely other and separate God. I don't want a kind of just God. Oh, he punishes the rapist, but he won't punish the white liars. Like, and that's, a, we, we make those stark contrasts but there's still sin. You know, he'll punish the murderers, but he won't punish those who have hatred in their hearts because that could be allowed. No, I need a completely holy other God. And what do we do? Why does he save us from ourselves? We, so what he does is he separates himself from sin. He created hell to sin, sin. And we go, I'm going with them. We choose to separate ourselves from God. We choose to send ourselves to that place and call it hell, call it eternal separation of God, call it what you want. This is not a whole doctrine debate on hell in and of itself. What I'm saying is God separates himself from evil and we choose to partner with it. We go with it. So a loving God sends sin to hell and we buy a ticket to ride along but the gospel is the power of God to save us from ourselves, as DJ says, and snatch us out of hell. Make a way that we, he he looks at us and he goes, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were enemies to God, while, while we choose to complete affront and said, yeah, all that goodness, all that righteousness, all that 
glory that you want to give, we're going to choose darkness, decay, evil, brokenness, selfishness. We're going to break ourselves. We're going to break each other. And then we're going to blame you for the result. That's the lie the enemy has gotten the world to believe that Christians believe. I don't believe that. That is not the gospel. The good news is that Jesus saves us from that. The lie the world believes about Christians is God is a punisher of people. He's a punisher of sin. People choose sin. So I, I want to help these questions people get. It's called apologetics, but I want to help. Like when, when that coworker asks, like, why? Tell them, tell them, break that down for them. Is that if God is so good, I don't want to kind of, Dylan did a great illustration. We're kind of going through this with our students. He did a great illustration, and he offered the student a brownie. Like, this is a really good brownie. But wait, 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 before you eat it, there's a little bit of poop in it. But like just a little. The rest is good pure chocolate. <laughs> okay, join your youth ministry. It's all about poop. It's great. No, like, it's just a squirt. That's what he said. Just a squirt. Okay. But that's, uh, but okay, but I hope you have that illustration because that's what we kind of want God to do when we want people to let good people go to heaven. Just a squirt. <laughs> Just a little bit of sin in the perfect. That makes no sense whatsoever. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of God's glory, of God's perfection, of God's standard of what he can be associated with. For all have sinned. Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift, the free gift, mind you, of God is eternal life in Christ our Lord. A wage is what you earn. Who here is going to take a job and not know what it pays? Like probably the 16-year-old kid who's got their first job. You know, they come home and like, what does it pay? You're like, oh, and you're like, oh I missed it. Okay, new teaching moment, right? But like nobody takes a job without knowing what it pays. You know what an unloving God would do? Not even tell us that death is associated to sin. Just let us eat the poop brownie. Right? Let us just go about our business, choosing our pride, choosing our selfishness, choosing our hatred and anger towards others, choosing unforgiveness, choosing murder, and not even say, do you know that we're now separated? Do you know that me, God, the source of life, can have no part with you? You are now choosing death. That is why the wage, what you earn for sin, is death, because you are separated from the very source of life. That's why it's called the kingdom of darkness and death versus the kingdom of life in Christ Jesus. We're choosing the kingdom we want to be in. And a loving God says, hey, I made a way for you to get out of that kingdom, to change your citizenship. It is the power of God that brings salvation. Second point, the gospel is for everyone who believes. It says in here, 
first the Jew and then the Gentile, which was Paul's way of saying everyone. And, and to him, there were two people groups, Jews and Gentiles, Jews and not Jews. But what does it mean to believe? Believe in what? In Jesus. What sets Christianity apart is our good God got in our evil story, fixed the problem, and then pulled us out of it. Our perfect, holy, righteous, glorious God put on human flesh and became man, got down with us to fix it. Every other world religion says, get to me. Our faith says, I'm coming to you. Every world religion is man reaching up to God because it's in our hearts. It's eternity is in the hearts of all men. That's what our scripture says. God's put that. There's a longing for something more, something greater, something beyond. And all other world religions say, reach up and take divine's hand, take the divinity's hand, take that, that eternity's hand, reach up and do it. And hopefully you'll get there. And our God says, you're never going to get here. Hang on a second. I'm coming. And he does it through the incarnation. God, Emmanuel, God with us. That's why I love the Christmas season. It started the whole story. It's where God said, hang on, angels, hang on, glory, hang on, glory. I'm going to set you aside for a minute and I'm coming because I love them. And they separated themselves from me. And it starts that story into the Easter story where not only is he enough to die, but he is powerful enough, king enough, strong enough to get back up and defeat death, bridging the gap through the power of the resurrection. Because we choose death, because we break ourselves, we cannot fix ourselves. The dead cannot resurrect the dead except by the power of God, which it says the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. It was the spirit of God that raised Christ's physical human body from the dead. Christ, even in his human nature, could not get up from the grave. It was the spirit of God that raised him. That's why he actually has to pray a prayer I don't know if he has to, but he does pray a prayer just before he goes to the cross. And he says, now, Father, restore me to the glory that I once had with you. Why? He couldn't restore his own glory because he was human. He has, to, he has to ask the Father to restore him to his glory, to get him up from the grave. You cannot fix this problem. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. In the Old Testament... God spoke to the people. In the New Testament, God came to the people. That's why he's called the word. Embodied, in flesh. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. In the Old Testament, it was spoken. In the New Testament, it was lived out. He is the image of the invisible God. It's only Jesus, and this, this is like... There's this idea that all religions lead to the same path. All religions, you know, ultimately lead to God. No, this is why Jesus says, I am the way, 
the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father but through me. Why? Because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And you can go to church, and you can pray, and you can tithe, and you can serve, and you can do all the things. But if you do not believe that Jesus plus nothing else is how you get to God, you've missed it. It is Jesus plus nothing. I want to say that again. It is Jesus plus nothing. That is the good news. Because if it was plus something, I'm going to mess it up. If it was Jesus and go to church, if it was Jesus and serve, if it was Jesus and love your spouse enough, if it was Jesus and don't be a jerk to your roommate when you had a hard day, if it was Jesus and don't be mad at your kids when they miss it again, if it was Jesus plus, if it was Jesus and don't drink again, if it was Jesus and don't sleep with that person again, like if it was Jesus plus, you're going to miss it. And somehow this lie has been made about Christianity that it's, yeah, there's Jesus, but you got to follow all the rules. Then let's just ignore Jesus and go back to following all the rules. It's why, it's why it says that the cross is offensive and Jesus is a stumbling block. Because if you can't get over it being Jesus plus nothing, you're going to trip and fall all over yourself. The same faiths that came out of Abraham are still waiting on the plus. And I'm not trying to be accused. I'm not trying to be aggressive. I'm not trying to be mean or offensive. But Jesus, the cross is offensive. The gospel is offensive because it says you can't do anything. Good news. Good news. It's not on you. Good news. Good news. Jesus is enough. Are y'all tracking? Okay. Ephesians 2, 1 through 9. It's kind of long, but it pretty much just says the thing. And you were dead in your trespasses and sin, in which you previously walked according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler and the power of the air, now the spirit working in disobedience. We too, Paul's talking, we too previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts. We were by nature under wrath as the others were also. So do y'all see that? They were under God's wrath because God had wrath against sin, not sinners, but sin, and they associated with it, right? So they were in the category of against, of against God, separated from God. But God, amen, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in our trespasses. You are saved by grace. Thank you. He also raised us up with him and seated us with him in heaven, in the heavens, in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages, he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in who? In Christ Jesus. For you are saved by grace through faith. And this is not of yourselves. It's a gift from God. It's God's gift, not from works. So why? No one can boast. No one can say I'm a really, really good Christian. And that's what got me there. You know, it, it's the, there's the saying, it's like, you know, being, um, what is it? Oh gosh, it was in my brain. It was like, you know, standing in a garage doesn't make you a car anymore than going to church makes you a Christian. You know what makes you a Christian? Being in Christ, it does. In Christ. 
Not being a Christian in church, but being a Christian in Christ. It's Christ plus nothing. Our, um, our students went to D-Now in March. Plug for D-Now. Dylan's already looking for houses and helpers for next year's D-Now. Talk to him. But D-Now is a conference that our students go to in March. It's locally here in Cherokee County. And we partner with churches all over Cherokee County with middle and high school students so that they can have a retreat away, but in homes hosted um, here in their local churches. And at D-Now this last year, they were presented the following question. Chris, can you put that up for me? This is the question our students were presented at D-Now. Maybe. Yes, it's going to work. Yay. All right. They were asked, how sure are you, are you of your salvation? On a scale of one to 10, how sure are you? I'm hoping, I'm pausing that you're asking yourself this question. How sure are you of your salvation? What if on your best day of following Jesus, how sure are you? What's your score? Okay, what if on your worst day, when you fell into addiction again, when you respond to that person the same way again, when you, when you harbored some unforgiveness in your heart, how sure are you of your salvation on a scale of one to 10? It's a completed work of Jesus. If your sin is big enough that Jesus needs to get back up on the cross, that's pride and a very low view of God. Hey, Jesus, can you take one more stripe for me? Because I missed it again. Like, he either meant it on the cross when he said it's finished, or he was a liar. What is it? He's either lunatic, liar, or Lord. I want to strip away that we earn it. I want to strip that away. It is the good news is that I chose death and Jesus did something about it. The good news is that I chose to die and he said, I'll take that. You choose to live. You have my life. I'll take your death. And now it's not Christ. It's not I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. As I was writing this, you know, you, you hear the thoughts that you would say uh, as you're preaching out. And, and you have this thoughts like, but you don't know what I did. You don't know what I said, what I did, how I hurt that person, how I hurt myself, how I destroyed my family. You don't know. I am the worst sinner. Paul said that about himself. I'm the worst of sinners. I've said that about myself. And you know what? I might even venture to say that you might be right. You might be the worst sinner for yourself because nothing you ever did sent me to hell. Nothing I ever did sent you to hell. My actions did it. So to me, yeah, I'm the worst sinner that brought on the most death for me. And yet Jesus plus nothing is enough. God, God writes through Paul, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness or the right standingness of God. 
theologians and philosophers of the faith call this the great exchange. He knew no sin. So as, as, as bad as you think you are, Jesus at one point became the worst sinner. That's crazy for me to say. It stings my heart. But there's a moment where he took on the sin of the world, past, present, future, through the corridors of time. He became that within his body, within his person, on the cross, so much more that the Lord looked away because he can have no part with it. I think that was one of the only times Jesus ever understood fully what those who do not choose faith in him would know, but with that full separation. You got to remember, he was fully God and fully man. And in that moment, in some weird ministry, he understood what it meant for the Lord to look away from sin after he took it on for us. It's Jesus plus nothing. And I could stop right here, but our next point is going to bring us in. Point number three, the gospel is that righteous, excuse me, the gospel is that the righteous shall live by faith. So where does this put works? Where does this put Christian living? I thought that there are Christian morals and there are Christian ethics. Absolutely, absolutely is. Because faith looks like something. Faith looks like something. In Romans 10, Paul ties the two together. And he says, Romans 10, verse 8, on the contrary, what does it say? This message is near you in your mouth and in your heart. This is the message of faith in Jesus that we proclaim. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved because one believes in his heart, resulting in right standing with God, righteousness. And one confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. In this, Paul's writing to the church in Rome, and he tells them, you have to confess from your mouth that Jesus is Lord. For them to do that in the city of Rome, for you to declare anybody Lord but Caesar was a complete, complete signed, sealed, delivered, you are going to death, right? It's a complete allegiance in the wrong way. For you to confess that anybody with you, see how that's their life. It took, for them to say Jesus is Lord, they had to do that with their life on the line. They did not. Paul's not saying you get to, you get to get away with going, yeah, 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 I believe Jesus died with my sins. Happy Easter. He's, he's saying, no, 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 no. In Rome, he's Lord. He's drawing that line. He's Lord. Will your life say that? Will your life say, I believe that what he did is enough. Therefore, that love demands a response with my life. And he links the two up that faith looks like something. It is not that I have to follow the rules to be saved. It's that I get to choose righteousness. I get to choose holiness. I get to choose God's ways. So tired of Christians being known what they're against and what they're for. You know what I'm for? I'm for a God that commands me to live in right standing with other people in him, to live in forgiveness and kindness, to seek him for joy and peace. Like that is a, that, that is a part of our faith. Those are promises in our life. 
the, the moral living, if, if you struggle with, I missed it again, I let God down, uh, you know, you struggle with this idea of losing your salvation, that's not what we're talking about in walking away from the faith. Jesus says that no one can take you out of my Father's hands. That includes yourself. When do we think we became so powerful that our sin all of a sudden negates the work of the cross and the resurrection of the tomb? I don't know what I said. Watch the message. When you, conf- when you believe in your heart, that is the faith. That is Jesus plus nothing. Are you saved? Yes, because I believe Jesus is Lord. Oh, you believe he's Lord? Then you submit it with your life. It's one and the other. When you say faith, you're saying Jesus is enough. You're saying that he is true God who died true death and through the power of God was raised from the dead. That's the faith. And then you confess with your mouth in your life. He is king. He, I love how Julie says, it. he is boss. He is boss. He's in charge now. No longer my life, but Christ's life lived through me. Point number four. And again, this one, when I started thinking about like what says this apart from world relig- other world religions, this one, I was like, holy cow, how did I miss this? The gospel is the power of God. Okay. The good news of Jesus is absurd enough. God himself took on flesh, took our sin, gave us his life. That's crazy, okay? That right there is immediately what caused the the Jewish faith and the Islamic faith to become absolutely hostile towards us. God cannot die. That's not God. Jesus, a man, cannot be God. So Jews believe, absolutely ridiculous to think that God became a man. They, they, They reject that. Islam, God cannot die. If you want to know some some major differences right there, those two, and you know what? Christians go, that has to be what happens because man cannot save it. It had to be God coming and it had to be God taking my death. That's why it has to be Jesus. But then the absolute craziness is then that God that we believe in comes and lives in us and empowers us to actually live his life. Every other faith says, follow all the rules. Maybe you'll get there. And this one says, no, 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 no. I'm going to come and help you. I'm coming down to get you. I'm coming down to empower you to live this life. Now, now, no longer, instead of it, I wanting those things, you start to have a churn in your heart. He actually puts his life in us. It says uh, somewhere in my notes. <laughs> yeah, Philippians 4.13. For it is God who is working in you both to will and to work according to his good purpose. So faith plus nothing receives the Holy Spirit and then lives out that faith as him being boss and Lord. He actually empowers us to do the things like It's good news. It's not just follow all the rules and good luck with that. Try real hard. It's good news. I'm giving you the ability, the power, the grace, the supernatural power to do the things of God. That's what grace is. The supernatural ability and power to do the things of God. I'm giving you my grace. I'm giving you my spirit. 
And this goes beyond signs, miracles, and wonders. Those are fantastic. It's like the actual fact of not like losing your mind when your three-year-old won't put his shoes on. You're already 20 minutes late to church. Like it's that grace. I'm not even a parent and I know that's a thing. Right? It's not losing your mind this Thanksgiving when somebody wants to talk politics one way or another. It's keeping your peace. It's not having to get forfeit your peace because of exterior things. It's the empowerment that, no, I, I get to protect my peace. I get to live in the peace of God. I have a personal relationship with the living God. I have the Holy Spirit in me, and it's his fruit in my life that brings love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, mercy, gentleness, and self-control. I'm empowered. Good news. You are empowered. Acts 1.8. And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my what? Witnesses. To all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. No other religion says that they are empowered by their God to actually live out the callings that they are required. What love. What grace. At some point, church culture became believe and behave. Believe what I tell you and behave like we tell you, and that will get you into the kingdom. And whether that be true, I mean, we know it's the lie of the enemy. We know it's the twisting of reality. I I know all that. But somehow my heart even started to think that's church. that's, That's godly living. Believe and behave. And I want to present the idea that if we behold the gospel, if we behold the completed work of Jesus Christ, it'll become behold and become. Look at him. Look at what he's done. Don't look at your sin anymore. Stop it. It's Jesus plus nothing. Look at him. And then we will be transformed into his image. We will become like him and we will be his witnesses, his little Christ, his Christians in the world. When we look at him, I think we've gotten our eyes off of Christ and we've done the plus everything else. And we've gotten this label on the world that, that it's just the rules and what we're against and all that kind of stuff. And I'm not mad at the world for that. It's lies of the enemies and we gave them reasons to think it. I'm going to own it. But if we declare him and his goodness and his love and that it's Jesus plus nothing and then it changes everything. Stop putting the cart before the horse. And say, hey, when y'all get healthy, come join us at church. (laughs) Titus, Paul's letter to Titus says it very similarly. I want to read it after a little different translation of the New Living. Once we too were foolish and disobedient. We were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy and hatred of each other. Can we just pause? Evil, envy, hatred of each other. 
Those are in the not good category. But when God, our Savior, revealed his kindness and love, he saved us, not because of the righteous things that we've done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Because of his grace, he made us right in his sight and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want to insist on these teachings so that all who trust in God will devote themselves to what? Doing good. These teachings are good and beneficial for everyone. Amen. So Eric, if you want to come back up, I want to take a minute because I presented, I presented four truths about what the gospel is. And I think those four truths could find us in one of these categories, potentially. You could be in this room in, in possibly one of these four categories. So I want to um, invite you all to stand as we're each going to have a little altar moment with Jesus right where you are. And hey, listen, the altars are open. If you feel like you need to come do work with Jesus and you need to come just right up here and, and talk to the Lord, the altars are always open at Hope Church. Can you, can I just say that? But we can have an altar right there where you're sitting. So group number one, point number one, the gospel brings salvation. For the first time, you may understand that you are separated from God. You may understand that a really good God cannot have a part of some of the actions that you've done in your life, some of the things you've stored in your heart. You may understand that you are a sinner who has tied yourself to the punishment of sin, of death and separation from God, and you need a savior. If you were in that category this morning, all you do is you repent, which says, I'm not gonna think that way anymore. I'm not gonna ignore the fact that I'm a sinner anymore. I'm gonna acknowledge my need from a savior and you place your faith in Jesus Christ. Category number two, the gospel is for everyone who believes. These are for my Jesus plus people. I might have stepped on some toes because you might've gone, yeah, that's kind of me. I kind of thought, I know about Jesus. Like I totally believe in Jesus, but I kind of had this thing that if I fell into that addiction again, or if I said that thing or treated someone that way, that I've kind of stepped down in my number category. These are the people that said, you know what? I wasn't a 10 when I just self-graded. Because Jesus is a 10. Faith plus nothing is a 10. One through nine is that something else was needed. And so if you scored yourself anywhere there and weren't a 10, you're in this category. And you know what you do? You repent. You change and you confess. You said, Jesus, you know what? I relied on something in addition to your completed work on the cross. But I believe you are enough, even for me, the worst of sinners. Group number three, the gospel is righteousness that's lived by faith. Faith that Jesus is Lord. These are the people that maybe, maybe you believe Jesus died for your sins. You believe in your heart. You ask Jesus into your heart at whatever age, but you've not yet made him Lord of your life. And so you're not living your life in faith that he's Lord. You're living your life that in faith that he, he's, he's, he's good enough to die for me, but he's not good enough to lead me. 
That was me for 26 years. Absolutely, that was me for 26 years. Honest confession. Believed in Jesus as a little kid, but did not surrender to his lordship until I was 26 years old. What do you do there? <laughs> you repent, you change, and you bow your knee of your heart and your life. And you say, you're the boss. You get to make the calls. You get to make the shots. And I trust that you're for me. That you're good towards me. That all my days I will be pursued with his goodness and his mercy. Number four, gospel is the power of God. Have you been doing all this on your own? Even mustering up faith on your own? Mustering living for him on your own and not tapped into the grace of God through the power of the Holy Spirit? Have you not sought God and said, God, I need your spirit. I need your spirit to be a witness into the world, to live like you. I need your spirit to love my wife. I need your spirit to parent my children. I need your spirit to be a godly coworker with integrity. I need your spirit, God. There's the song, I need you more. Oh Lord, I need you more every day. I need you more. Like, yes, every day. More and more and more because as we become more and more aware of what Jesus did for us, we become more and more aware of how worthy we are to walk with him. And so he calls us up. He says, Call, walk in a way that is worthy of the Lord. And the only way, and that's not on you. The only way is, so I look to you, God. You've asked me to do this incredible task. Jesus says in John, it's not in the scripture. Jesus says in John, he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments and I'm sending you in a helper to do it. It's all the same sentence connected. We too often just hear the sentence one, if I love him, I better do all the things. And we completely ignore the helper. So if you're in that fourth group where you're doing it on your own, repent, change your ways, go a different direction. That's what repent means. That's why I keep repeating it. I don't want repentance to only be snot in the floor once a year because you're just so sorry about your little old self and if God would ever just forgive you. No, it's... I acknowledge my ways, I turn and go in a different direction. Good news, people. The gospel is good news. Are you a 10 this morning? Are you sure that Jesus is enough? Yeah, thank you, Lord. And for those that are like, I get everything you're saying, but my faith is still not at a 10. See, point number four, ask Holy Spirit. That's what the man who looked to Jesus and needed help, he said, I do believe, help my unbelief. I'm not saying that you're, uh, let, let me be very clear. I'm not saying that if you have moments of doubt where you're like, is Jesus really enough that now you've just concealed your whole life to hell? Absolutely not. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that you need to lean into the spirit of God. You need to build your faith. Scripture says that we build our faith from the hearing of the word of Christ. Get into his word. Remember what he's done. Remember that he's enough. Why is he enough? Because he's God. He met his expectation when you could not. Thank you, Lord. So, Father, God, we thank you for the gospel. 
We thank you for the good news that it is the power of God to save and that in it, it is for everyone who believes and that we live our life. We are righteous. We are in right standing with you through faith by the power of your spirit. God, would you help us wherever we are in those categories where we are first time putting our faith in Jesus? We're renewing our faith in Jesus. We're just shifting some weird things we had where we thought it was Jesus plus you and something else that I could do. God, would you tear down these idols of ourselves, this pride that we think that we can save ourselves? Just right now, just offer you to like, hold your hands open like you're receiving something. It's just a posture of prayer. Just acknowledge, Jesus, I need your salvation. I believe in you, Jesus, that you came, lived a life, died for my sins, was resurrected and conquered the grave. I believe that. Jesus, I repent for going my own way, for partnering with sin and evil. And I choose you, Jesus. I ask you, Jesus, be Lord of my life, King of my life, boss of my life, whatever that sounds like for you. Jesus, would you show me when I had faith in anything else but you? Yeah, I'm even gonna say it for some people, when I had faith in my parents' faith, we're a Christian family. So I just thought I was gonna get scooped in. I repent of even that thought. And I say, I believe. Now God, fill me with your spirit to live the life worthy of your call, worthy of your name. Fill me, God. Help me, God, with the things I still struggle with, God. Help me. Help me. Put your hands on your heart, and we'll leave with this. Just repeat after me. This pastor says, I am what God says I am. Saved through my faith in Jesus Christ plus nothing. And I can do through the power of the Holy Spirit in me what God calls me to do. I will be a witness to the good news of Jesus Christ to the world. Do you believe that? Apply your faith. Jesus name. I bless you. I bless you all in the name of our Lord Jesus. I'd love if you have any questions about anything today, please come talk to me. Other than that, I love you all and you're dismissed. I didn't do tithes. I didn't do tithes and offerings. I love this kid so much. Hey, if you have a tithe and offering, uh, if you could just uh, big Stuart's in the back next to the bucket, if you could place it in that. 
God, thank you for tithes and offerings. We appreciate it. Everything you do, Lord. In Jesus' name. Awkward ending. Go. Cut it. Cut the feed. <laughs>